Hi everyone, it's producer Jane here, jumping in with a little note ahead of this very last episode of 2021. Uh, you won't hear Caro and Corrie refer to the full lockdown of the Netherlands. That was announced just after we've finished recording this episode. So things will have changed for Caro. We'll get a big update on that in a couple of weeks when we return. Hope you have a wonderful Christmas and a safe and happy new year, even if things do get disrupted a little by COVID. And of course, a big thank you to our podcast sponsors, Red Energy, most satisfied customers 11 years in a row, and Prince Wine Store, bringing Melburnians the greatest wine in the world. Hi, everybody. Welcome to a shorter but nonetheless just as exciting episode of Don't Shoot the Messenger. This is episode 202 and it's our final one for 2021. And Caro, this is the last time you and I are going to be talking to each other via the screen because in a couple of weeks, you and I will be back together around the Scrabble board and then next week, well, next year, we'll be in the studio again with Miss Jane. Corrie, I can't believe it's only... It's only a few weeks and I'm very much looking forward to seeing you in the flesh. I think we've done a sterling job, particularly you, in keeping all of this together while I've been away for the last 10 or 11 weeks. And as I said, I can't believe it's almost Christmas. Uh, we should thank our, have we already thanked our show's sponsors? Let's thank Red Energy again, our most satisfied customers 11 year in a row. And of course, Prince Wine Store for the last time, bringing you the greatest wines in the world. Just visit princewinestore.com.au. Corrie, it's going to be a different sort of show. We've got a lot of tips, book, screen and food. But um, I loved this from Linda Goldsmith, a friend of the podcast, Read the Sandham Murder Footwear. She agreed that the scripts were a bit iffy. Everyone seems to agree on that. Love the scene, really like we did, and Nora's wardrobe, particularly her clogs worn in every episode. So she had to have a fair, eventually found some in Launceston. Well done, Linda. She wishes us all a Merry Christmas. And, Caro, she's taken a photo of her feet in her little new clogs. At Navy Clogs, sweet. As you know, I spend quite. I've spent quite a bit of time um, in a big hospital in Amsterdam called the AMC, and all the medical staff, a lot of the, a, a lot of the doctors, and certainly a lot of the nurses, male and female, all wear clogs. It is fascinating. They're clearly very practical. Now, Carol, we have a lovely note from our friends uh, Anna and Pete Corrin at Cape Merchants down at Sorrento, and they have written a note saying, The A-team of podcasters, brilliant work, Corrie, Carol, and of course, Miss Jane, we love the pod. We've just ordered summer supplies from Prince Wine Store. Helpful and so easy. And we have signed up to Red Energy by two. I reckon that probably means two homes or two businesses. I'm not sure. Um, and we couldn't be happier. So thank you, Cape Merchants. And don't forget, everybody, whenever we mention a, a, a business out there, particularly in regional Victoria, we'd love you to go and give it a go. As Nick Co on Instagram has reminded us, I can't wait for the podcast to be released every week. Congratulations, congratulations on your entertaining 200th episode. Uh, love the recommendations and a GLT. Try Time and Tide next time you are in Port Ferry. Time and Tide, it rings a bell. I can't remember, is it a restaurant? 
Uh, Jane's going to do yeah, a bit of research. Is. is it? It's a, it's, a, it's a cafe. It's a cafe and they've got great coffee. Mum, In fact, Mum and I went there when we were last in Port Ferry together a couple of years ago. Corrie, um, we've already mentioned um, last week some responses to the French 75 that Anna and I talked about. But Helen Rust points out that um, as a big coincidence for her, she only found out about the cocktail recently. It appears in a book she recently read, Codename Helene by Ariel Lauren, which is, of course, a great read about Nancy Waite, the life of Nancy Waite, who we've been talking about a lot over here because Oscar, Rose's partner, has been teaching his students the Nancy Wake, stu- uh, the Nancy Wake story. Um, a French 75 was her favourite drink. There you go. So, Caro, what we're going to do is we're going to whiz through a few highlights of the year um, and a couple of more, uh, what shall we say, um, earnest moments of the year too. But let's kick off with the year's big political stories. Uh, A bit difficult for you because you have spent um, a, a certain amount of time this year in Amsterdam. But if we're thinking local... No, well... Oh, well, internationally, I mean, I think the biggest, the biggest, one of the greatest, most dreadful things I think I've ever seen was when um, Capitol Hill was stormed. That was in January. That's what sort of kicked off the year, wasn't it? Joe Biden was already, had already been voted as the American president, but the way that was allowed to happen and the response by Donald Trump and what Donald Trump did to encourage those violent protesters. I mean, can you imagine if it had been a a large group of black people who had done that, what would have happened to them? It was just one of the more horrifying moments, I think, of my entire sort of adult life seeing that happen in terms of um, what can happen when democracy doesn't happen and and when, you know, violence takes over and somebody really unstable. And the ramifications continue because, of course, there's a Senate investigation. Um, It's a bipartisan committee that is looking into this. And I never thought I would say this, but Liz Cheney this week is my hero because she's such a conservative Republican, but she's really holding up the mirror to everybody involved in this event, uh, Republican colleagues and, of course, uh, Donald Trump and the Trump family members. Why didn't the president stop it at the time? So really good uh, international story, that one. And I think locally, Caro, probably one of the biggest stories, apart from how the federal government and the various states have handled different lockdowns and the COVID crisis, it would have to be Brittany Higgins' allegations of being raped by a Liberal staffer in a minister's office in Parliament House. Yes, and I think the whole sort of story about Canberra and its treatment of women. Obviously, Christian Porter and that absolutely astounding story broken um, by Louise Milligan about um, Christian Porter. Well, originally it was a Four Corners report, wasn't it, the previous year, and also Alan Tudge, who I remember my mother Julia was far more horrified by some of the things that were reported about Tudge at the time. And I see he's now gone and um, got some more issues. But um, I think the way Canberra has treated women and the you know Malcolm Turnbull observation that it was sort of similar to corporate Australia 20 years earlier um, was really disturbing. And, um, and even Grace Tame, who wasn't Australian of the Year this year, but some of her comments and her rebuttals to Scott Morrison, I thought were absolutely fascinating. It's been a a real eye-opener. Like, we'd heard all these stories, but we had no idea how bad. Well, Kate Jenkins' report into 
this matter in Parliament House sits on the Prime Minister's desk, so hopefully over summer he will read it and they will come storming back to Parliament determined to make some changes, we can only hope. Speaking of the Prime Minister, his credibility as we head toward an election next year seems to have also been on the news agenda. Remember that great moment, Emmanuel Macron? I don't think I know in reference to whether Scott Morrison was lying over the submarine deal. Has to be one of the all-time great uh, quotes. Um, Caro, on to footy. So the big footy stories, obviously for me, would be, and and, and I think everybody who watches The Code would be Melbourne's uh, premiership win in, again, a lockdown situation with no fans able to be there. Well, not many fans. No, they were there, but sadly they weren't at the MCG. (laughs) (laughs) They were at Optus Stadium over in Perth. By far and away the biggest footy story of the year, Corrie. You're absolutely right. Um, If I had to go from three to one, I think the third biggest story of the year was the departure of Alistair Clarkson from Hawthorne and the way that was handled and mishandled by Jeff Kennett and the so-called succession plan with Sam Mitchell and how that all unfolded and how it changed and how dramatic it was over a few months at the Hawthorne Footy Club, such a stable club that suddenly became incredibly unstable and I think will end up being the undoing of Jeff Kennett as president. Number two would have been, I guess, the undoing of Eddie Maguire at Collingwood and the release of the Do Better report. That spiralled out of control. Eddie Maguire was going to have one more year. He ended up resigning before the start of the year, his handling of that. Nathan Buckley being removed by the new board just less than two months later. And then, of course, um, the board challenges at Collingwood. It just went on and on and on at the Collingwood Football Club, quite extraordinary. And then, of course, number one, the Demons finally winning a flag. Um, not since 1964 had that happened and only now of the um, old Victorian clubs sits St Kilda as the um, team who needs to get a premiership in the new era. They haven't won one since 66 and I really hope that happens soon. Let's talk about a bit more personal, close to home, the year's big highlights for you and me. For me, Caro, because uh, I'll kick off mine following Jane, um, I think having two babies either side of Christmas Day last year, this time last year, and then watching them, um, you know, develop has been really lovely. And seeing my son Will become a father for the first time was very affirming. He's doing a beautiful job, as is Lib. And I think turning 60, I have to say, I was lucky enough in that little window of opportunity between lockdowns to have a couple of lunches with friends and um, it's always nice to hear people say nice things about you, isn't it? <laughs> you were lucky and they were wonderful celebrations. I was very on that spoiled. One and it was brilliant. Oh, Kara, I've been meaning to tell you too, you know how you and a group of the lovely girls, you gave me um, a voucher to buy a painting at our friends at Warman Art Gallery, the Warman Art Centre up in the Northern Territory. I haven't done that yet because the elders, all, of course, have been in lockdown because of COVID and there hasn't been a lot of painting activity this year. So I just wanted you to, you to know, because I've been meaning to tell you that for weeks, um, why I haven't gone shopping yet, but I will be, I can assure you. Um, the other upside or the upside downside for me was when we closed the bookshop in July, 
the news, when we told the community that we were doing this a month earlier, the amount of love and support for the bookshop, for the staff, for me, was just so powerful and um, and, and allowed me to kind of float out of there on a cloud of, of support rather than with my head between my um, tail between my legs and my head bowed and full of tears. There were a bit of that too, but it was just lovely to to know that over the 12 years of having a bookshop in Hawksburn that we had made a bit of a difference. So that was really nice too. What about you? What were your highlights? Oh, you made a huge difference with that bookshop, Corrie, and we all miss it dreadfully. Um, oh, well, look, the obvious highlight for me was um, being in Amsterdam for the birth of my first grandchild, birth of my first grandchild, Sunday Julia Hedstrom. Um, she obviously, um, she was born surrounded by quite a few complications, but I was there in the room with Rose and Oscar. I never thought that would happen. It was one of the most incredible experiences of my life and watching Rose and Oscar and how they've been with Sunday and how beautiful she is and how incredibly brave and just how wonderful they've been as parents has definitely been my highlight of the year and getting to come here and spend three months at the end of the footy season myself and Brendan and actually live in a European city and be with them and feel as though we're actually making a bit of a difference and helping them out but also just living a life that we never thought we would do has been although I've obviously missed everything at home it's been definitely been a major highlight. Oh, that's wonderful to hear. And um, I think to have that opportunity to live in a European city for longer than a week, longer than a, a, a tourist visit, uh, it, that that's a really rare and special opportunity. And I know that you're over there being um, a big, big supporting cast, the two of you, to Rose and Oscar and Sunday, but... Um, there have been some lovely upsides that you've had as well, hasn't there been? Oh, we've had so much fun and we've been so fortunate. A lovely Australian couple who went back to Australia to have their first baby and, in fact, he's living in our house as we speak, have lent us their beautiful apartment in this lovely little village of Revere and Birch and we have just had such a good time and it's been so effortless. So um, we've been very fortunate. And what about you? the year's big personal learning curve for you? Has there been a learning curve? Oh, big learning curve. Oh, well, I've, I've still, I suppose I've probably realised how lucky I am, how fortunate I am to, um, after years of complaining about work, to have a job that I love. And I think it's it makes you realise how important work is when lockdowns happen again. And it was so disappointing when we thought we'd seen the last of COVID lockdowns of previous year for it all to happen again. And I realised again how lucky, lucky I am to have my job and I really enjoy it. And I found it really invigorating this year. For some reason, it just seemed to be um, a really interesting year. Football is still, to me, the most fascinating topic in town, particularly if you live in Melbourne. So um, I'm so... Um, I, I just enjoy it so much and I find it so interesting and the people involved in it so interesting. So I think just that realisation more than learning curve. What about you? Oh, I would have to say that um, when we were trying to renegotiate a lease to do another four years with the bookshop and we were having such a tough time with our landlord securing that lease and coming to a, 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 an annual rental fee that we could accommodate and then realising that we couldn't and we couldn't go on. I was actually quite 
stressed, not sleeping, highly anxious. And I realized that what I needed to do was to stay healthy and stay focused and stay calm because if I flapped, everybody around me flapped and a lot of people were watching out for me, which I didn't realize till afterwards. The kids and Pete and different friends were quite concerned about my mental health. So I, I actually learned that if you just maintain your calm and grace and exercise, walk or do yoga or swim or whatever it is, um, you can get through these terrible pressures. Um, you can't, you can't, um, you, you can't take them personally. You'll get sick and uh, you won't be able to cope. So that was probably for me. Um, and, and then the kind of the next question, the year's big challenge um, kind of comes from that and what you were saying earlier about work. Turning 60 and then suddenly unexpectedly finding yourself without a job, <laughs> losing your business and losing your livelihood and thinking, oh, what next? Carol, I can't begin to tell you the number of people who have said along the lines of, so how's retirement? Or, so how are you finding it? Are you enjoying it? No, I want to go back to work. <laughs> so so here I am trying to, if you want to join the Instagram account, Potties, and you haven't already, it's called Corrie is Reading. And so trying to stay in the word space and the book space in 2022 is going to be a challenge. Um, but I think that's 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 what I've learned. You know, when you lose it, when you lose your job at a, at a certain age, and you think, "Gosh, am I unemployable?" That's the big challenge. What do you do next? What about you? What's been your big challenge? Well, twice um, getting to Amsterdam in the time of COVID, to, to be honest, has been um, was was an enormous challenge, and. This time we really, really needed to, well, both times we really, really needed to get here and both times we were really fortunate to, to do so. Um, but I must say, you know, writing to my local member, which I actually um, had never had any cause to do, but um, I did this time around and my local member is Katie Allen, was such an eye-opening experience to realise how wonderful people could be when you really need their help and We'd sort of applied to get over here very quickly and been knocked back. I don't think they'd even looked at our application and all the medical evidence, etc. Just a call to the local member on the day of the remember the earthquake <laughs> back yes. in late September um, that day, and she got straight back in touch as um, as the local member did, and within two days we had permission to get to Amsterdam. So that, and I suppose learning to live with. Um, things not turning out the way you might have hoped or thought that they would turn out and acceptance as my daughter Rose talks about occasionally now and I, I must say that does resonate with me and the realisation that even when things are tough you can still have a good time and you need that ability to sort of enjoy yourself you know if you have a capacity for happiness in life I think you can get through anything. I agree and a bit of a laugh as well black humour goes a long way. Caro, it's that time of the week again, and this is our last hurrah with Miles Thompson from Prince Wine Store and the Cocktail Cabinet until next year. Hi, Miles. Lovely to have you online here. Nice to be here. 
Miles, we've been talking, Caro and I, in this episode about things we've loved and maybe loved, not loved so much this year. <laughs> and we were thinking about alcohol and non-alcohol. And just on the non-alcoholic thing, can mm-hmm. I say that I have really fallen for Banks Botanicals? Uh, I have to say that I have done a little bit of work writing some copy for their website, so there's a bit of a vested interest. But the Banks Botanicals is a beautiful non-alcoholic drink, a mixer that you can – well, I've been having it with tonic – it's absolutely terrific. And I, uh, you, you won't be surprised, Miles, because I've ordered an awful lot of this wine from you this year. <laughs> I'll just say two words, Sam Neill. The old two oh, paddocks yeah. picnic. The two paddocks picnic Pinot Noir, I think 2019 is the vintage I've been drinking. Miles, I am mad on that Pinot Noir from New Zealand. They make such great wines that... Sometimes run the risk of these, for lack of a better word, celebrity sort of wineries. It's been a little underwhelming, but they're really not. They've got a great team and they really just punch out some awesome Pinot from Central Otago. I agree. They're a great producer all around everything they do. So, so, Caro, would you have a favourite wine or a favourite drink that you've discovered in your Dutch um, experiences or back home? Well, I was inspired by Prince Wine Store, Corey, for this drink. Um, it's not a wine, but which you know I obviously really enjoy. I have started to fall in love with natural wines, which are very big over here. But my um, favourite drink at the moment is a white Negroni. And, Miles, I brought some Sue's from Prince Wine Store probably about six months ago now. But Sue's is um, a wonderful aperitif. It's sort of a, a bitter sort of drink. It's yellow. It, it, it's made by the Pernod Ricard brand. And Suze is the Campari replacement in a white Negroni. Um, gin is still there. And of course, Lille, which is another one of my favourite drinks that um, my mother and I and her Aunt Louise first introduced us to. We absolutely love Lille Blanc, a bit of Suze and gin is a perfect, perfect drink and a much more nicer summer replacement, I guess, for a traditional Negroni. But, Miles, Suze is very big in Amsterdam. Um, I guess you're still selling it. And it's also very popular just on ice. Or a new thing is a Suze Royale, a bit like the old-fashioned Kia Royale, but just a bit of Suze and some sparkling wine or champagne. Absolutely delicious. Yeah, it sounds wonderful. Yeah, Suze is great. It's kind of starting to... Um sort of come back into fashion. I actually love all those types of drinks. I think for summer and, you know, on, on their own, on ice, things like I love the sort of the whole Maydini range and he's got this Kina out at the moment, which is this like kind of bitter sort of Lille sort of recipe that Lille used to make but don't make anymore, but he sort of reproduced it. But, yeah, I love those those things for summer and they're getting so popular now, those types of drinks. You know, we find that we're drinking much more widely now, particularly in Australia, you know, aperitif-style things and vermouth and gin and tonic and, you know, rather than just wine and beer. Well, gin and tonics over in Amsterdam are like a cocktail and at a bar they're much more expensive than a vodka or a whiskey. It's quite strange the way they market it here. But Sue's Corrie, S-U-Z-E, it's actually flavoured with the plant gentian. Um, It was always drunk as an aperitif, but when you make the white Negroni, you do a bit more gin and a bit less Suze and then the same amount of Lille as you would put um, for vermouth in a normal Negroni. Absolutely delicious. Lots of ice. So oh, good. Sounds perfect for summer. Um, oh, so good. Miles, uh, 
I, um, I'm not sure whether we have any special offers with Prince Wine Store this week, but uh, can you just explain to those potties who are new to the game how the Don't Shoot the Messenger page works on your website and what they can do to access that for a discount? Absolutely. So when you go to the, the, the website, the, the first sort of banner that comes up will be the Don't Shoot the Messenger banner. Click through to that. Um, it has a list of all the things that we've talked about over the last few months up there. Uh, and if you uh, put in the code MEWS when you check out, so as in for Don't Shoot the Messenger, MEWS, you get 10% off, off any of the wines that are in there as well. And what I'll do is I'll put, I'll put a bunch of our favourites that we talked about today, some of those Nadini things. I'll put the Sous in there. Um, I'll put some gins and stuff. I'll put the banks. I'll put all those things in there that we're sort of chatting about and make sure they're up there so over Christmas people can sort of have a look and they want to experiment, they can. Oh, Miles, you are Father Christmas in disguise, aren't you? <laughs> sure. Seriously. I feel like I'm going that way around the middle at the moment. <laughs> oh, he needs the beard. Miles, <laughs> it's been great uh, to have you on board this year. Carol and I have really enjoyed your company. We thank you for being so patient with the various technical hitches and glitches that we've experienced this year due to lockdown. And we can't wait mm. to have you back in the studio next year with us. Yeah, I'm excited. It's been, it's been great. I've really really enjoyed it and thanks for having me and I know this uh, I'm, I'm looking at Miss Jane as I say this because she might start frowning but I think she'll be on board we want to have a Don't Shoot the Messenger event at Prince Wine Store and at the restaurant next door yes um, yes. <laughs> yes so I think we have to start working on that in the new year yes definitely with all the hiccups of last year it's been a bit difficult but I, I think that would be wonderful definitely do that we would love um, that thanks Miles have a great Christmas and send please send our regards to all the gang at Prince Absolutely wonderful, and we'll see you in there. Caro, that was the Cocktail Cabinet. Thank you, Prince Wine Store, for bringing that to us in 2021. We love your support, and we look forward to working with you guys again in the new year. Caro, on to Crush of the Week. We're actually going to do Crush of the Year. Can you think of anybody or anything that became your Crush of the Year? Corey, my Crush of the Year is definitely my daughter, Rose. She's an absolute standout for this category, and you of all people know why. A lot of things happened to her this year that she did not expect. She and her beautiful partner, Oscar, they have soldiered through everything that life has thrown at them. They have been the most wonderful parents. Watching her become a mother has been one of the great joys of my life. I just just so enjoy watching how wonderful she is with Little Sunday and Oscar, of course, and navigating it all in a foreign country for a lot of the time, not having that much support from family and a lot of their friends, although they have had a lot of family here and some wonderful friends to help them. But um, it is different when um, you're not in the home of your birth, I suppose. Um, They've just managed to move house as well, move apartments as well during a pretty tough time. And they just sail through this stuff with so much grace and so much goodwill and putting Sunday first at every single second, but still managing to remain, you know, so upbeat and good fun. And yeah, look, she's, um, it's really blown me away how incredible they've been through all of this. I don't think I could have been nearly as capable and positive and wonderful as a parent. So um, Sunday is very, very lucky to have Rose and Oscar. And um, she is definitely my crush of 2021 and for many years to come.
Anyway, I've said enough. There's so much more I could say, but what about you? Well, I I think even though he's taken a a pounding from the uh, political observers in the US, I think Joe Biden has actually and is actually doing a very good job in a very difficult difficult time uh, working across the aisle with his Republican colleagues to try and get um, all of these huge infrastructure legislation and welfare legislation programs up and running. I think he seems to be running a reasonably cohesive uh, uh, White House. His press secretary, uh, Jen, um, her name escapes me, uh, gone out of my head, is absolutely brilliant, one of the finest press secretaries I've ever seen. I just think that I think the Biden White House has, uh, for me, exceeded expectation. There was a lot of discussion at the time, was Joe too old to take on this gig? Um, would he be? Would he be distracted? He has been absolutely focused, as has his administration, on getting on top of COVID. They couldn't help the Delta um, variant. And um, and I think trying to just set a new agenda following Donald Trump's four years of mayhem. So that probably, he would be probably be my big crush of the year. And also I have to mention Angela Merkel. You know I have a girl crush on her. She's done a great job, Angela. And I, I think the press pick you were talking about, was it Jen Psaki? Who actually yeah, Jen Psaki. Back yeah. in early November, Psaki. Yeah, Jen Psaki, um, yeah. Look, the only, the only one that I would, and I'm, I'm probably going to talk about her in a moment, but books have really got me through this year. And discovering Maggie O'Farrell with Hamnet was just such a fillip. But all her back catalogue, I think during May, sorry, April, May and June, at a time I really needed a bit of a distraction, was absolutely an absolute fillip. So as I said, so the hand that first held mine, um, this must be the place after you'd gone, the disappearing act of Esme Lennox. She is a wonderful writer, Maggie O'Farrell, and so um, I need to give her a mention as my another crush. You'll yeah. notice you'll notice the Richmond Football Club hasn't been mentioned this time, but I see that Peggy O'Neill's entering her last year as Richmond president. So um, I do think when we've got um, what she has done, followed up by another club winning a flag with a woman president, winning the premiership against a club who also has a woman president, given that it's my line of work, it's just wonderful to see it happening in the AFL. Yeah, I agree. Let's make it happen federally too. More women. Hey, Cara, let's go on to BSF Books, Screen and Food and let's talk about the best, uh, The best. why don't we kick off with the best books of the year. I'll go first. Uh, and again, it was just announced last week on my own Instagram account. I decided that the bookshop used to always have our best book of the year. Well, there's no more bookshop, it's just me. So, <laughs> so I consulted myself <laughs> And I have actually, I found it, I found it really hard to to separate these two. So it's a joint uh, award this year. Miss Jane mentioned in our um, episode last week. She mentioned Devotion by Hannah Kent. This most certainly is uh, my one of my co books of the year. It only came out in at the end of October, so it's only been on the shelves a few weeks. But if you did read Burial Rights, if you are a fan of the young Australian writer Hannah Kent, this is such a beautiful book and it's set in the mid-19th century, partly in Prussia and partly in South uh, South Australia. And it's a wonderful, wonderful book of journey, sea voyage, friendship and love. And the other one, Caro, guess what? You know, Still Life by Sarah Winman. Yep. Yeah, no, couldn't agree more. I just adored that book. That um, is probably my book of the year. 
followed by The Magician, which I really enjoyed. I mean, it, it was just a great read, a fascinating story. I didn't know the story of Thomas Mann, it was sort of a, a history really of early 20th century and certainly of Germany in the early 20th century. Oh, and some of the... It's a wonderful novel by Colm Toybean, isn't it? Absolutely adored it. And the third one I'd mention, after Maggie O'Farrell's, which I've um, mentioned, I suppose the one I enjoyed the most out of all the ones I mentioned, I think would be The Hand That First Held Mine, but um, is a book called Mayflies by Andrew O'Hagan, which I think I talked about earlier in the year. A coming of age, well, you think you're reading a coming of age story, but it ends up being also a coming of death story about two great friends two growing up in um Britain in the early 80s and some of the oh, a scene that a story when they go to Manchester for this music festival is just one of the great excerpts of um, a time a, a moment in time that I have read for many many years but Mayflies by Andrew O'Hagan would be my other sort of great read um Scottish and fascinating so everybody who's trying to madly take notes, we will have these recommendations in our show notes. Uh, if you have any problems accessing those, well, just ask Jane. Just send something to feedback at Don't Shoot Pod. Don't you reckon, Jane? <laughs> She's working I, through the holidays. I, I have written them all down, so they will all be. And the show notes, if you're unsure, it's just the little description on either your PC or in your podcast app. It's just the words that go along with the little podcast graphic. That's it. There's nothing. There's no great magazine or anything, everyone, that we deliver to your home. It is just there. But we list Jane lists everything, so you can always use that as a great resource. Okay, so, Carol, on to Best Screen. Best Screen for the year. We were denied so much time in the cinema, although I know that um, you and I at different times have snuck into the cinema. Um, my three were actually on the little screen at home, and um, I'll leave the best to the last. I loved Made in Italy, the SBS on-demand series set in the 1970s fashion scene of Milan as the Italian fashion uh, couture culture comes to life with a young Giorgio Armani with the um, Zegna family, um, all of the all of those who were really starting to hit their strides, a very young, um, um, oh gosh, what's her name? I've gone out of my head. But um, I, I loved that. And the second one I would say was Vigil, do you remember? Set in the yep. submarine. Made by the um, makers of Line of Duty, so not surprising that we love Vigil. Fantastic, so clever. Yeah, great. great and I, I also wanted—I I also wanted to mention—you you won't be surprised by this Stanley Tucci's CNN cooking show called Searching for Italy, which is a, such a highlight if you can get that through CNN or through some other. Um, somebody said they just a friend went in, just went into Google the other day and and said how to watch it, and a link came up. So that was that's a good one. But the highlight for me, of course, was Peter Jackson's documentary series on the Beatles, Get Back. And the filming of their final album. Oh gosh, what an amazing show that is! So, what about you? What have been your screen highlights? Oh, look, I didn't get to the movies much, but um, I'm happy to see the musical is making a big comeback. I did, even though it was a little bit too long, and it was not the heaviest story of all time. But I did love In the Heights, the American musical that I saw when we could go back to movies in June this year, and I'm about to go and see West Side Story, the Spielberg version. But you're right, my top three are probably only one I saw at the cinema and it was a French film called Only the Animals, a very unusual film. 
one of the stars was Lord Calamy, who is also in Call My Agent, which was another absolute highlight of the year, the um, series about the um, French um, talent agency with every famous actress from Juliet Binoche. I mean, a- how wonderful was that series? I'd forgotten. I thought um, that was last year, but you're absolutely right. It's a cracker, cracker of a series. Um, love that. Um, Mayor of Easedown with Kate Winslet was absolutely wonderful. I thought that was my um, drama of the year. And vying for number one, I've got two Aussie shows. One also starred Guy Pearce, who was in Mayor of Easedown, and that was the last series of Jack Irish. I adore this series. I adore all the characters in it. It's got some of the great acting performances. And when, you know, the three old guys from the pub end up being in the old people's home and... Um, Terry Norris. Look, it, it's just a, it was just a wonderful, wonderful series, and the last series was just as good. And the other one was the Newsreader, which I see won um, a lot of awards. Yes, <laughs> yeah, it, me. it um it won it a lot of has. awards last week. I thought Anna Torb was absolutely brilliant in this. Mark Downey was great, great cast, great storytelling. Our era, the late eighties. Um, you might have picked up certain moments that weren't quite realistic, but I thought it was pretty true to life and a lot of people I work with in TV found it difficult to watch. So that's good enough for me. That's a, that is a great group of recommendations. And so now on to recipes and food. What have been the most interesting dishes that you've cooked? I must say I haven't really cooked up a storm the way we did in 2020. I sort of I think my, the highlight of meals would have been having fish and chips with Brendan and Mum during <laughs> during um, various lockdowns during the year. But um, I, I think I did a lot of cooking in Amsterdam and one of them, I mentioned it early on the last podcast last week, it's a gourmet traveller recipe for eggplant parmigiana. It is a beautiful recipe and it will be on the show notes. These are all real comfort food. Another Clem absolute favourite is her um, chicken schnitzel um, with buttermilk dressing, one of the more beautiful and comfort food recipes that were much appreciated by the Dutch family. And the third one was her tempered dal, which I've made so many times, a beautiful vegetarian recipe. And I'll Miss Jane, that will be on the show notes as well. There's something rather lovely and luscious about the word tempered, isn't there? You do a second temper and you add that into the first dal and it's just more golden onions, basically, and spices. It is absolutely delicious. It's a beautiful meal. Um, I would say my three would be the crab linguine from Emily Scott's Sea and Shore, the wonderful Cornish cookbook. And um, I would also say the salmon with tahini from the Ottolenghi Test Kitchen, Ottolenghi's latest cookbook that's out now, kind of bright orangey, red, pink coloured one. And I would yes. also yell, have a have a yell to um, and a well done to Sarah Pound at two pounds for her green pasta recipe. During this most recent lockdown, she posted a recipe every day on her Instagram account, and so many of them were terrific. But the green pasta, Sarah, I just keep going back to. I have to say that's a highlight. Can I just mention? I mentioned earlier on in previous podcast the beetroot cured gravelax which also involves gin. It's a wonderful recipe, and I'm going to put that in the show notes as well. Great. Well, I might do that on Christmas Day. Thank you, Caro, for the BSF recommendations there, and thank you, Red Energy. Powered by the Snowy Hydro, a leader in renewable energy, isn't a time you called Red Energy on 131 806. And I was late paying one of my bills the other day. They sent me a very nice note 
They weren't grumpy. Speaking of grumpy, <laughs> speaking Corrie, of grumpy. I'm just going to, can I just. Um... So, Caro, grumpy, what are we really, what were we really angry about in 2021? Uh, look, you know, I have an issue with Vic Rhodes, so I won't go there, but I did want to say the one thing that consistently made me angry this year was men in parliament behaving badly. I think um, the response was so underwhelming. You know, the Scott Morrison comments about having a wife and daughters, you know, loving his daughters, I I thought that was incredibly disappointing. I think some of the things revealed on Four Corners that people tried to sweep under the carpet and say it was sort of politically motivated was so disappointing, absolutely horrifying. And you're right, we've talked a lot about the... um, Kate Jenkins' report and what happened there. We've seen so often an incredibly inadequate response. Um, and I'm, I'm actually glad to see that a lot more women, including those who have been victimised by um, men in Canberra, are now speaking out. But I'd still love to know um, if we're ever going to find out who contributed that million-dollar um fighting fund for Christian Porter's lawsuit. Um, we still don't know actually who that was, do we, that an anonymous donor, which is probably a little bit disappointing, I've got to say. Well, let's just see where he pops up post-parliamentary career. That'll be interesting, won't it? Um, and look, uh, the, you know, the main grumpy is obvious that we've been so curtailed by wanting to do what we want to do. Business is struggling. Um, so many people not being able to get to where they wanted to get. You can't be grumpy at anyone because of it, but we really didn't see this coming, what's happened to us over the last two years. So (laughs) it's probably a bit of an understatement to say I'm grumpy about COVID, but now that I've had it as well, I think I can honestly say it is not pleasant. It's been very disappointing and it has made life very, very difficult for a lot of people. So, um, and to think, you know, it's really ramping up here again at Christmas time is just so disappointing. Well, just as just as we are talking, um, Caro, uh, the news has come through that Sydney now has today over 2,000 cases of it. So that's climbing. That's concerning. Um, yeah, I would agree mm. with the uh, the the. I mean, it just got. We, we're beyond talking about COVID and lockdown now, aren't we? It's just. There are just so many elements. I mean, for example, me turning 60 this year means a lot of my friends have turned 60. A lot of parties and celebrations have been cancelled. So a friend of mine turned 70 and the dream of, of going overseas then became the dream of going to Queensland, which then became the dream of going to New South Wales, which then became the dream of having dinner with the kids in some nice restaurant. And in the end, it was just him and his wife, which I felt very sad <laughs> Very sad, you know, but I mean, it's small fry compared to all of the dramas and trauma that has happened in businesses and in families where COVID has struck and, you know, it's sort of the parties that you missed out are trivial, but they're meaningful gatherings as well and we've just missed out on such a lot. I'm also, um, I I notice the numbers are dwindling now, but some of these protests, um, from, and let's face it, a lot of it is basically a group of anti-vaxxers. I just find so disappointing and so puerile and so childish. And I'm, I'm actually, I'm really losing patience with that whole sort of line of argument. So um, that has made me grumpy and continue to make me grumpy to this day. So let's let's put on a happy face now and let's talk about finally the things that we are looking forward to in 2022. 
I'm looking forward to um, travelling for absolutely no reason at all, but just having fun. I'm looking forward to watching little Sunday grow up and develop. She's made us so happy over the last few months. I'm looking forward to getting back to Australia and spending some summer quality time over summer. I'm, you know, pretty simple things really, Corrie. I'm looking forward to... Um, I'm really looking forward to the new Lucille Ball film called, um, I think it's Meet the Ricardo. Mm, me can too. You believe, can you believe Nicole Kidman's playing Lucille Ball? I you must be horrified. <laughs> it won't stop me seeing the film, but yes, it's, it's, it's not the biggest draw card, but I am looking forward to seeing that one too. There's so many. I mean, the film industry is obviously really ramped up over the last few months. So there's so many things to look forward to over the summer. But I think that, and obviously the new episode of The Crown, I mean, I hate to sound shallow, but, you know, these things um, really um, keep us going, don't they? They do. Well, I'm looking forward to a federal election. You know I love a bit of a political stoush. And um, Anthony Green, your old friend, I can't wait to start uh, listening to him every every night on the ABC News, a highlight of my life. Um, but I'm looking forward to having more time to read. I am going to start the children's book, and it's not Mr Kitten Goes to Town. I have a new idea, Caro, so stay tuned for that. Uh, looking forward to no more lockdowns, God willing, and like you being able to travel around Australia just because you can and you're not worried about being locked in or locked out or having to quarantine and having some time to regroup. And like you, I'm looking forward to um, Florence and Max and Harriet and Willow all growing and thriving and having some fun with them. And in fact, you and I should dedicate our podcast today to those children and to Sunday, those very special little children in our lives. And, um, you know, God willing, we can all spend more time together and we can all be healthy next year. I'll tell you, I'll tell you just a, a last one, and um, you'll roll your eyes at this, but Mum and I and Mary, my friend, bridge partner Mary and I, have not looked at each other over a bridge table for months now, and I really hope we can do that when I get back to Australia. Oh, a real card I'm game in person. Forward, looking forward to scrabble with you and a shuffle with Mum and also Mary. Oh, well, I I, um, I agree with the Scrabble. Um, I, can't, I can't wait to have a game. Can't wait to see you back in town. So Will have... we ever get to have our Scrabble weekend once we – if we we decided on the rules yet or did, is that still a bone of contention? We're still fighting about the rules, which doesn't all go well for the weekend tournament that we're hosting. But, look, it'll settle down and I'm hoping that we'll be able to do that in autumn with our friends. We've cancelled that so many times. Goodness gracious. Caro, have a lovely Christmas over there. Stay safe and well. Give our love to all the gang and, of course, big cuddles to Sunday. And we can't wait to see you and Brendan when you uh, jet back into town. Hope you don't have to quarantine for too long. Hope the, hope the rules don't change there. And no, um, me too. And Jane, thank you, Jane Neild, our wonderful producer, for your fabulous work um, and just being our great friend and supporter during 2021. It hasn't been easy, Jane. No, and thank you to everyone for listening despite some shonky audio here and there and Zoom calls and, like, I wish you could all see what happens behind the scenes because it's never easy. And <laughs> do, you remember, do, you remember the week I, do you remember the week I recorded in, the, in my little walk-in wardrobe because I thought the sound might be better? Oh, there I was sitting in the dark talking to you and Cara. We have... We have had so many obstacles, and Jane, you have just, you know, you're calm. And I can't wait to have you both back in the studio, but I want to thank Potties because it really is a testament as well to you, Caro and Corrie, that 
despite dodgy audio, people are listening anyway because, you know, we all wait to hear you each week. So I think well, if, if that can't put anyone off, you can't wait till next year when we sound even better that's than That's lovely. Ever. <laughs> and when you said to us over a million people, something like 1.2 have downloaded yeah. this show since we began, that's pretty amazing and humbling. So Merry Christmas to all of our gang and uh, we wish you all a safe and wonderful and happy new year. But have a good summer rest, everyone, because we're all pretty tired here in you know, Melbourne and Sydney and all of that. And, Caro, have a great time and what do we say? Don't treat the messenger. This podcast is proudly supported by Red Energy, most satisfied customers 11 years in a row. Isn't it time you called Red Energy on 131 806? And Prince Wine Store, bringing wine enthusiasts the greatest wine in the world.